You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Good day, Bruce. How are you? I'll take it in the line. Yeah. A lot better than yesterday. Yeah. That's got good. Some sleep. Got some sleep. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Wouldn't want to be General Millie today, right? No. Uh, God, I don't know. Millie looks like he's dead tired all the time anyway it does man being a being a traitor must be uh must be tiring <laughs> yeah it it really must i always found that when you're chasing down liars they usually are the ones that get the least amount of sleep because they're too busy and they're too stressed out trying to keep up with all the lies that they've told to try and keep themselves ahead of the curve and they just can't do it uh millie being one of them. man this guy i mean this this dude seriously he's got some bags going on under his eyes and all that puffiness Dude, you ever try some cucumber slices? Something? I mean, just I, I'm just saying, right? With all that, with all those contractor deals you got, you would think you'd have enough money to just take a day, go sit in a spa somewhere. I, I'm just saying, go relax. You know, take some time off before your trial. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might as well do it now while you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't get vacation days in prison. No, you don't. The wheels of justice turn very slowly, but they do turn. They do yeah. turn. We ran across this article just as we were getting ready to start about something else. And we thought, hey, this is interesting. Let's just go with this one. General Milley secretly pledged to warn the Chinese Communist Party if Trump planned to strike. OK, first of all, Trump didn't have a history through his four years, if you even want to call them actual presidential years, I would call it just a, it was a three ring circus is all it was with the, you know, the impeachment nonsense and, and everything else that they that they tried to drum up. I mean, it was just it was nothing but a distraction for the American people. But Trump showed absolutely no. How do I put it? He, he didn't have a, a track record of preemptively striking nations like all the other presidents previous to him. He didn't have a track record of that. He didn't do what Bush Sr. did. He didn't do what Bill Clinton did with the, the Bosnians and the Serbs. He didn't do what... Obama. Yeah, he, Obama yeah, was, struck was, multiple nations. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was getting to that. I was going in order. He didn't, he didn't do what George Bush Jr. did with Iraq. He didn't do... Well, of course, yeah, that's what his father did, yeah. Was, he mm-hmm. didn't do what Obama did. I mean, they overthrew, what was it, like nine countries between him and the State Department, John Kerry and Hillary Clinton? Nine countries they overthrew. Nine. So Trump didn't have a track record of doing that. Yes, he went in there with the Russians and decapitated the uh, the problem of the Taliban and ISIS and all the rest of it. He went in there and fixed that problem because that was a creation of the previous two administrations. So he was cleaning up the mess. And Putin was helping him clean up that mess because they posed an existential threat to the Russians as they did previously under the Carter administration, which is initially when they were created to menace the Soviet Union that caused them to have a military collapse. That's mainline history. So Trump didn't have a track record of, of going out and doing that. Do you remember they tried to even pull the, uh, the, the nonsense with the Syrians and say, oh, look, Assad, he used chemical weapons against his own people. And Trump said, hang on a minute. Not so fast. He actually stopped that. They went out and they they bombed some uh, airport, some empty airport, and that was it. I don't even think anyone was hurt. So he didn't do what they wanted him to do. So why was Millie saying that he was going to 
notify the Chinese Communist Party if Trump planned to strike? That doesn't make any sense. So there's a new book that's out by Bob Woodward, and apparently there's excerpts in there uh, that reveal a partisan coup at the heart of the U.S. government. Millie? No, I never would have guessed it. He's too busy focused on white rage. He doesn't have time for this. Yeah, he, he doesn't have time for this. Or maybe that's why he's focused on white rage is because he's an agent of the CCP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of had our suspicions, but this one just kind of, well, just cements that in there, doesn't it? And I'll get to yeah. that point here in just a minute. I'll get to that point here in a minute because we just posted that up on our Telegram page. Through secret back channels. Uh, this is National Pulse, by the way. Uh, this is Raheem Kassam, Natalie Winters. Again, they've done fantastic, fantastic reporting in the connections with the U.S. and the CCP, corrupt elements in the U.S. and the CCP, and Fauci and the CCP over the last 12 months. They do groundbreaking stuff over there. Every time I see an article that pops up that they have an exclusive on, we got a key on it because uh, they do a great job. Through secret back channels, unbeknownst to then-President Donald Trump, General Mark Milley informed leaders from the Chinese Communist Party and Democratic Party that he would not carry out any kind of military action ordered by Trump. I'm just curious. Uh, he is the commander-in-chief. You are a member of the Joint Chiefs. Aren't you supposed to carry that? I mean... Sort of. So, technically, the president is only commander-in-chief when we're at during war. During a time of war. Technically. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Not, fair point. Fair point. But still, I mean, have you ever known a commander in chief to be questioned or have their orders refused by a member of the Joint Chiefs? I, I've never known of that happening. I mean, they do advise the Joint Chiefs. Of course they do. That's what their job is to do. But when a U.S. president, a sitting U.S. president, no matter who it is, hands down an order, then the Joint Chiefs usually say, yes, Mr. President, that's the next words out of their mouth. And they go ahead with it. Well, I mean, that that's that's what it's been for the last 20 years, at least. So mm -hmm. the revelations represent a stunning admission of an effective coup d'etat at the top of the U.S. government with officials colluding with the Chinese Communist Party in order to limit Donald Trump's power. That's all they tried to do when he was in there. That's all they tried to do from day one. They were saying this guy, oh, he's a Russian agent. There's still uh, there's still many, many. Uh, questions that are being raised about uh, his uh, his connection with Russia and if that if that vote was legitimate. They were doing that in the inauguration parade. NBC was saying that General Milley, who controversially defended teaching Marxist critical race theory in the military, telephoned his Chinese Communist Party counterpart, General Li Zhuchang, twice in the final months of the Trump administration. Okay, one thing real quick on this. The teaching of Marxist critical race theory. Okay, I don't know about the critical race theory part of it. That's just a fancy way of now saying that we're going to teach your kids Marxism. That's all that is. Because they don't actually come out and say, oh, we're going to teach your kids Marxism. They just say, we're going to teach critical race theory. That's Marxism. They can't say you're going to teach Marxism. If you say we're going to teach Marxism, well, then people know what that is. However, there are elements of the military that teach Marxism. And the reason that they teach Marxism is so that they know exactly how to identify key operatives in other parts of the world, because Marxism is a threat to our way of life in the West. So therefore, you have special operations members and soldiers and leaders that teach it on purpose so that their operatives know what it is. And so that they understand how dangerous it is. I was never taught Marxism. I had to learn it for myself. That's not to say that I agree with it. I think it's I think it's horribly destructive. I think it's disgusting. It's counterproductive to how we live in Western civilization. It's not compatible with how we live in the West. It's very dangerous. It's very revolutionary. 
That's why when you talk to a Marxist, they are whacked out lunatics because they believe it. Millie's calls, according to Bob Woodward and Robert Costa's new book entitled Peril, were aimed at restricting the president of the United States' abilities to wage kinetic war against China. I don't think China wants a kinetic war. I think that they'll resort to one, given the circumstances of what's happening over there today. I think that they'll resort to one. Stunningly, Millie even secretly pledged to inform Beijing ahead of any potential U.S. military action. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Millie here out of the book. General Lee, you and I have known each other for now five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. Lee took the chairman at his word. Now, he went on to say in the second call, which took place on January 8th of 2021, so two days after the uh, the worst tragedy in America since the Civil War and Pearl Harbor and 9-11 combined, January 6th, the Capitol, and again, I'm quoting, things may look unsteady, but that's the nature of democracy, General Lee. We are 100% steady. Everything's fine. But democracy can be sloppy sometimes. In response, Lee suggested that the Chinese Communist Party felt that the United States government was unstable during the hour and a half phone call. Now, for those wondering, you say, OK, well, he's known each, they've known each other for five years. When does that meeting take place? When did that first meeting take place? Well, again, we posted this up on our Telegram page. It is right above. I reposted it just because it is prevalent to this article here. I reposted it right above. In 2016, General Milley, who now promotes critical race theory, as he said, teaches Marxist critical race theory in the U.S. Army, he traveled to Beijing in 2016 and congratulated General Li Zucheng, same one he had the two phone calls with, on being appointed personally by President Xi Jinping as the head of the People's Liberation Army. I would call that collusion. And I would call that treason, wouldn't you? When you're making phone calls like that, I'm talking about the phone calls, the two phone calls. You're discussing internal dealings at the highest levels, at the executive level of the United States of America with the head of the People's Liberation Army who has direct ties to the president of China. That is what we call high treason. Milley believed that Trump would attempt to create a crisis in an effort to seize power similar to Hitler's exploitation in 1933 of an arson fire at the German Reichstag to help institute emergency powers. Um, okay, I'm just going to throw this one out there. I've studied that event in great detail. I have literally stood in the same exact place as that psychotic bastard when he gave that speech after the Reichstag fire. And believe me, it felt like there were a thousand ghosts walking up my spine. You know how you get that cold shiver when you're just standing in a bad place? That's what I got mm -hmm. when I was standing there. I've studied that event in great detail. I would argue in the current time that we live in, the way that these executive orders are being handed down, who's behaving like that? They created a crisis so big that, well, to save our way of life, they had to do it, right? They had to do it. Okay. They wanted Trump to take all of that power, but he didn't do it. He delved it back to the states the way that it should be. Other world leaders didn't follow. They have all behaved like that sick psychotic did. In reality, it was the anti-Trump establishment that turned a small fracas at the Capitol on January 6th into a full-blown insurrection. What happened to the January 6th committee? Weren't we going to were we going to subpoena all of the text messages and the telecom uh, records, all, all the stuff, the phone calls and everything else from every single person that was involved that day? And they want to know now the campaign strategies 
apparently, because apparently the campaign strategies are now connected to January 6th somehow. I haven't figured that one out yet. Well, because Trump was planning to use that to overthrow the government and retake power in August. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot to I, I forgot to ask uh, Bruce. How's it been the last two weeks since President Donald Trump's been back in office? How's that been since the Supreme Court yeah. ruled nine nothing? Uh, how, yeah, how's yeah. that been? Yeah, it's been pretty great, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Trump mm -hmm. going back in office. Give me a break. Mm -hmm. uh, to address these unfounded fears, Milley spoke to Speaker Nancy Pelosi, informing her that he would prohibit Trump from using any kind of military force. Was that before or after Speaker Pelosi demanded that she be given the nuclear codes? <laughs> you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So who was on a power trip again? Well, it was Trump. He was a horrible fascist dictator. Uh-huh. Well, he was going to seize power, but see, they they stepped in and, and stopped him because they they had to step in and save uh, the country from falling into the hands of a of a horrible fascist dictator. You see, yeah, kind of kind of sounds like CCP propaganda, but it yeah. it does just a little bit. And I, I'm finding this all really rich because you've got collusion here with the military, the executive level, and the Speaker of the House all tied up with a foreign adversary. Yet this is a Russian agent. <laughs> <laughs> that they're supposedly fighting. You hear this? You couldn't yeah. make this stuff. Like, if you were writing a movie script, you couldn't make this up. You could not make this up. This is too good. This is too good. So as the New York Times recounts, later that day, General Milley spoke to Speaker Nate. Okay, I have that. Pelosi, and I'm quoting here, Pelosi said to Milley, this is bad, but who knows what he might do. Do I sense paranoia? Just curious. Hatred, fear, and paranoia. I'm just, you know, everything turns into a madhouse usually right after that. Pelosi said, he's crazy. You know he's crazy. He's been crazy for a long time. Don't say you don't know what his state of mind is. Responding to that, Millie said, Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything. You talk about collusion. Now we know why sounds Pelosi. Like they're plotting right. just a little bit. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds like, uh, again, CCP planning. It, it, it sounds an awful lot like... Uh, Maybe Pelosi is uh, giving up to Beijing just as much as Millie is. It is possible because let's be honest here. Pelosi is an elected representative. And let's not forget that the counts were stopped in her district that night, too. So my question is, is she supposed to be there? General Milley, who, as the president's top military advisor, is not in the chain, uh, is not in the chain of command, tried to reassure Miss Pelosi, that he could stop Mr. Trump from what? One thing that I can guarantee is that as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I want you to, he's speaking to Pelosi, I want you to know, I want you to know that, and of course, you know, I'm just reading the transcript. I want you to know that this, in your heart of hearts, I can guarantee you 110% that the military, use of military power, whether it's nuclear or a strike in a foreign country of any kind, we're not going to do anything illegal or crazy. Pelosi responded the following. Well, what do you mean illegal or crazy? Maybe she sounds a little worried at this point. Maybe she sounds a little like uh, that's not what our CCP handlers want to hear. Maybe. Uh, General Milley went on to say, I can give you my word. The best I can do is give you my word. And I'm going to prevent anything like that in the United States military. That's an interesting phone call. You see, I went into this with the expectations and I, I'm just reading this for the first time. I went into this with the expectations that this was simply a phone call between General Lee and uh, and Millie. That's what I went into with the expectations. I didn't know Pelosi was tied up in this. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. trying to figure out what her involvement is in all this for quite some time. And she's very good. I I'll give her that. She's very good about keeping herself off the radar. She's good at that. She's a good politician. There's no doubt about that. 
Speaker Pelosi is a damn good politician, one of the best. Does that mean that she is uh, to be revered? Hell no. But more than that, what we were saying earlier, I want to know, was she elected? I want to know with audits at the federal, state, and local level, all across the board, I want to know who the people that are supposed to be in elected positions and who are not. Because let's not forget, let's not forget, you're seeing a pushback now in the schools, aren't you, from the parents. The parents are finally showing up at the school board meetings, storming the school board meetings, and speaking their minds. Finally. Finally. They're going into these meetings, and they're talking to a bunch of people that don't listen to them. Let's not forget, school board officials are elected as well, aren't they? How many of them are not supposed to be there. Yeah, why don't you start an audit and we'll find out, oh, what's that? Audits, they won't let you start audits? Oh, no, you, you can't. Yeah, you can't do that mm -hmm. because apparently that's like racist or something. You can't you can't do that. Okay, Um. so that's that's Millie. I, I, that's boy, that's something that's huge. That's that's up today. That's huge. So let's uh, let's let's just sit on that one for a couple of days and let's see. Let's let's see where that one rolls, because the mainliners are now going to run with that one. So let's see where it goes. Okay, State Department <laughs> is maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe the mainliners. I mean, maybe. we might see people. Well, there's like, a f there's a few that will. Yeah. There, there's a few that will. Yeah, like Glenn Beck will yeah. probably run with it, and maybe uh, maybe uh, what's his name, uh, Michael Savage and uh, Steve mm -hmm. Bannon and some of those guys. They'll run with it. Of course they will. Uh, okay, yeah. State yeah. Department. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was also going to list Fox News. Uh, what's his name over there? Oh, Carlson. Yeah, he'll he'll run with it. Yeah. 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 Tucker, yeah. 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 State Department silent for a week as congressional office asked for help evacuating Americans from Afghanistan, according to some new emails that have been discovered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty disappointed in that one. No surprise. What? What's my phrase here? Government's bad. OK, this is a great example of it. Um, <laughs> our, our government's great efficiency and and. Well, whatever. This is this is what it's resulted in. Yesterday, uh, uh, the the organization I was with, uh, the, not with, but uh, watching, they basically said that um, some of the people they were trying to get out, a um, commander over the airfield, basically said, uh, "You're in my way. Go back to Abbey Gate." Uh, they had like 400 people that um, they had saved. So many women and girls were. Um, slated to be Taliban wives, and uh, they were trying to evacuate them. Anyway, they were evacuated to Abbey Gate. <sighs> Two hours later, the gate was blown up by a terrorist. That is our great efficiency and <laughs> well-doing that our State Department has. That was their doing. Uh, of those 400 or so, they were only able to rescue like one family out of that. That they're uh, So that they're still looking to see if any of the others survived or you know where they're at. No word yet. But the fact that uh, they sat they sat there silent. These organizations have to get paperwork. So basically, when when you when you try to evacuate people from those countries, you have to have the proper paperwork uh, when you go into another country, because that basically says um, to that country, these are sanctioned. This isn't human trafficking. We know about these. These are good. Take them. The State Department was sitting on their hands and not doing anything, not handing out the paperwork, not giving it out to organizations they know were trying to evacuate people because those organizations were, in my opinion, because they were conservatives. And um, not just it, it might actually be even worse than that. It might actually have been it's not just because they were conservatives, but they they were civilians. They were the the American people were going out there and saving people when the State Department couldn't, or not couldn't, wouldn't save people. There, there's a big difference there. They had the capacity. We had the capacity to go in there and save all those people, get them out, 
and we had the ability to, uh, but for some reason, our government decided not to. So I'm just curious. They didn't get the paperwork. I'm just curious. Do you think it might have anything to do with the uh, the cozy relationship between the last topic we were discussing? Uh, I'm I'm wondering that. Yes, um, that is a very real possibility. Honestly, what other conclusion are you going to come to? They left operational a bunch of our hardware that ta- the Taliban seized and gave to the Chinese, which are then going to reverse engineer it. And once they get it reverse engineered, they're going to make a counter or a copycat of what we have. Yeah, that's a very real possibility. With a cozy relationship of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and, say, for example, the uh, well, the head of the People's Liberation Army of China, I mean, what better way to, you know, uh, show your good faith than a gift, you know, just a small gift amongst friends. I'm yeah. just saying, just saying. And with all those technologies out there that the government doesn't regulate, might I add, that are difficult to un- uh, trace and track, what other kind of communiques is the two generals transmitting to one another? We we don't we don't know. There is a lot of just just for clarification. When you get into like this international, you know, geopolitics and, and stuff like that, there are cases, and I I don't know any details about this, and I don't claim to, but I have heard and I've read books from people that have worked with various three letter agencies before that rely on these back channels to stave off international conflict. Right. That's something completely different to this whole Millie and General Lee relationship. That's something completely different from what we're talking about. Back channels are usually known about uh, in the government. Like this, that's something that's like sanctioned, if you will. This deal with Millie, this was not sanctioned and this was secret, even to the State Department. Well, I say even to the State Department. That may not actually be true. It was secret to the president. Uh, the State Department probably knew because I, I personally think the State Department is compromised the entirety of it, uh, at least at the at the top. All right. Uh, I've got a clip here. Actually, I got a couple of clips of Secretary Anthony Blinken, who is up on Capitol Hill today uh, talking to Rand Paul. Let's listen. The guy the Biden administration droned, was he an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike, uh, and I'm sure that a you know, full assessment will be, will be forthcoming. You don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know or won't tell us? Uh, I, don't, I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it. Well, see, you'd think you think you kind of know before you off somebody well, with a predator drone, whether he's an right. aid worker or he's an ISIS case. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. At and weddings. the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what? Maybe you created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorists from bombing the wrong people. So you got to know who you We can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people. We have an investigation before we kill people. The guy that they droned, I'll save the uh, the bumbling buffoon Blinken. I'll save him some time. The guy that they droned was an aid worker, as Senator Paul pointed out. Senator Paul knows that. He was an aid worker. He was actually an aid worker for one of our organizations. He was going out to get water for his family because the water had been cut off from his home. So he took some containers, put them in his car, 
drove down to the place where he works, filled them up with fresh water, and was in the process of driving them back. But these bumbling idiots in the State Department said, oh, it looks like he's loading explosives in his car. Let's drone him. That's what they did. There's your intelligence right there. Not very intelligent. Do you notice one of the things he said there before he said, I don't know? He said, basically, to the effect, we can't talk about it in this setting. Um, wait, excuse me? You're, you're not... That's setting? Huh. You're in the Senate. Well, that that's me... That, that's me adding to what he because he he started he started to say uh we can't talk about it here basically is what he was what he said and then and then he said well i i, I don't know <laughs> that, that 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 to me is a little telling what do you they know? do know they did of know. They know of course they know <laughs> yeah yeah i i think it was um exactly as Rand said unfortunately that's the only there's only two conclusions in that one either they're that inept or it was intentional. And uh, though I think the government is hugely inept, um, I also think that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, this is uh, Senator Rich, who is uh, Senator Rich, who is uh, questioning Blinken on President Joe Biden. Well, I'm more interested in in the top decision making. Look, we've all seen this. We saw it as, as recently as yesterday. Somebody in the White House has authority to press the button and stop the president, cut off the president's uh, uh, speaking ability and sound. Who is that person? I think anyone who knows the president, uh, including members of this uh, committee, knows that uh, he speaks very clearly and very uh, deliberately uh, for what? himself. Oh, really? No one else does. Well, are you, are you saying that there is no one in the White House that can cut him off? Because yesterday that happened and it's happened a number of times before that. It's been widely reported that somebody has the ability to push the button and, and cut off his sound and stop him from speaking. Who is that person? <laughs> there is there is no such person. Again, uh, the president uh, speaks for himself, uh, makes all of the strategic decisions. Uh, informed by the best advice that he can get from the uh, the people around him. So are yeah, you right. aware that this is actually happening? Because <laughs> it happened yesterday at the uh, interagency fire center. Uh, it was widely reported. The media's reported on it. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened several times. Are you telling this? Are you telling this committee that this does not happen, that there's no one in the White House who pushes the button and, and cuts him off in mid-sentence? That's correct. Wow. So this didn't happen yesterday, nor on the other occasions where the media showed the American people that his sentence was cut off in mid-sentence. Yeah. Are you saying that didn't happen? Senator, I'm, I really don't know what you're, uh, what you're referring to. All I can tell you is, uh, having uh, worked with the president uh, for now uh, 20 years, both here uh, on this committee, uh, and uh, in uh, over the last nine months at the White House, the president very much speaks for himself. Well, I agree. He speaks what for himself. Kind of? <laughs> I agree. He speaks for himself when he's ordering ice cream. I believe that. But I don't think it goes any further than that. What? OK, what reality are these people living in? Even the senator, whether he's whether he's he's putting on a show that Senator Rich, whether he's putting on a show or whatever, he is a GOP. He's he's um, uh, uh, he's a Republican from Idaho. So rather he's he's putting on a show or rather he's being sincere. The fact remains, these people really can't be this this stupid. They're not this inept. It's not possible. Of course, they're cutting off his mic. They cut him off today. 
today they cut him off. He was about to take questions from the media. They just cut him off today. This is from yesterday. They cut him off today. They cut him off yesterday and they cut him off again today, as the senator's pointing out. And this guy, this guy's got a, a I can't say it, but he's got a eaten grin on his face the entire time. The entire yeah. time. He's laughing at everything that the senator is asking him about. Yeah. This is just this is just one over there trying to feed the American people. This is a uh, another level of gaslighting, another level of propaganda. I, I mean, this is something I would expect the CCP to be saying there was no deaths, no injuries when we we're seeing the typhoon come through and the yep. flooding and all the stuff that they were having. They did it. again. No the deaths, other day. no injuries. They did it again the other day. Like cars are just there was like a landslide car because more flooding because of that typhoon that we saw the other day that. Oddly enough, that category thing, five. Yeah, category five slammed into the uh, the coast of uh, China and flooding on a on a massive scale was literally thro throwing like cars and trucks off of a bridge down into a uh, ravine. No injuries, no deaths. Again, with that, that's what I think this is. Is it's literally just them feeding us guano and saying this is this is what happened. This is the truth when it's clearly a lie. It's you clearly don't. Don't do believe you what guy, your eyes are telling you. Do, do you honestly, do you really think that this guy speaks, acts, makes decisions all autonomously? Do you actually believe that? Does anybody actually believe that for a second? Neither of them do. Blinken or no. uh, Biden. I about said Obama, but. I, I almost, well, yeah, but I, I almost want to know, like, Blinken's up there saying a whole bunch of I don't knows. I want to know what he does know. I think he knows a lot more than what he's alluding to. Of course he does. Okay, um, I get I have it here. White House abruptly cuts feed of uh, Biden mid sentences. He's asking questions about uh, you know a briefing he was given today. They just cut it right off. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what you're speaking of, Senator. I, I don't have any clue. That's, no one's cutting his mic off. I don't know what you're talking about. He can make his own statements. He can make his own decisions. <laughs> when he stands up there and he says he openly says, "Okay, uh, they told me I'm just supposed to walk out and not take any questions," but. Uh, I'll take a couple. <laughs> Who's telling him um, to walk out? Who's telling him not to take questions and walk out? Yeah, that's what I want to that, know. That, that's that's a good question, because he said the other day uh, when he said, I'm not supposed to take any questions. And then he said, my pres, uh, my staff will be angry at me if I do. What, what was he about to say? Was he about to say press staff? Maybe. I mean, maybe that the uh, you know maybe maybe that's what he was meaning his his press corps or it, there, there's only a few words that press press president maybe is uh huh yeah hmm okay uh over to AOC I haven't seen her in a while she's been awful quiet I think uh, I think the establishment told her to take a back seat and take a chill pill I mean what do you actually need her for same thing with Bernie Sanders what do you need Bernie Sanders for they're implementing Marxism left and right. You don't need Bernie Sanders. You don't need AOC. You don't need them out there uh, touting the Marxist line. They're doing it they, like the establishment, the the old the old guard establishment that has all the seniority on these people. Because believe me, if you know anything about totalitarian rule, whether that be Marxist, well, fa well, I can't I can't even say fascist because fascism is Marxism. But anyway, it's all about the party elders. You ever look at the people that are around Kim Jong Un? All a bunch of old men. 
bunch of old line party people because they are the party elders. They were loyal to his father and to his grandfather. That's why they're there. They're the party elders. Same thing when you look at Xi Jinping. You look at a lot of the party members, you only have a couple thousand of them that are the inner circle. And some of them are really old people. They're the original ones. Yeah. So when you got someone like Bernie Sanders, Bernie's old school establishment. He's old school. He's old school Marxism. So you're not going to cross Bernie if you're an AOC. You're not going to do that. You're going to listen to Bernie because Bernie knows the way. So what do they do? They dress her up and they put her out on the red carpet. She's wearing a dress at the uh, the uh, what was it? The uh, the Met Gala uh, event the other night. Wearing a dress that says tax the rich. Bruce, you saw it. Yeah, she's swapping mm-hmm. around there on a on the red carpet. Yeah, just you know shaking it around and everything. Yeah, getting photo, getting interviewed by Vogue magazine. Yeah, wearing a dress that says tax the rich on it. Yeah, tax the rich. Well, let's just take a look at this. The tickets for the Met go for the following amount of money. They go for approximately $30,000 for a ticket. Just a ticket. One ticket. $30,000 for a ticket. God That's, only knows um, how much that dress costs. Well, yeah. Uh, but that, that ticket, uh, that would that, that's about a year's wage on average in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, that, see, Bruce, that would get you into the event. Now, that doesn't mean you can sit down somewhere and enjoy the, the evening festivities. That's not what that means at all. Because you can just get in. You know, take the photos and, and schmooze and, and all the rest of it. You can do all that. Uh, she's standing here. She's on the red carpet. And right behind her is the, uh, uh, what's her name? The woman that was married to, to Bruce Jenner, uh, who is now uh, Caitlyn Jenner. The, uh, uh, one of the, the Kardashian mother, whoever she is, something Jenner, I don't know. But I'll probably get emails over that uh, from, from people. I'll probably get emails over that from people saying, oh, this is her name. This is her name. I, I don't really care. These people are disgusting. They're, they're disgusting. That is a waste of human DNA. But anyway, I'm getting off point here. 30 grand just to get you in the door. Okay. Not to mention the dress was probably 14 grand and the shoes were probably three. Okay. So 30,000 just to get a ticket to this event. If you want to sit down at a table, if you want to hang out at a table and take part in the little hors d'oeuvres and the drinks and the awards and all that stuff, that's only going to run you $275,000 to sit down at a table and she's wearing a dress that says tax the rich. But uh, the um, the left, you know, when I was on their their social media stuff here the other day, some of them were saying that AOC has wise words and she's this such a wonderful, great person sticking it to the the crazy capitalist pig and all uh-huh. the whatever. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't even know, like. It made no sense, their, their, their argument that they, they bring forth. The, the problem I have with all, all the left that are, that are going down the Marxist road and they're saying, well, you, you have to tax the rich and do all that. First of all, what right do you have to take what someone else has earned, first of all? Second of all, in all of this, I agree with you with some of the problems. Uh, I agree capitalism is broken right now because it's not capitalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's an oligarchy. So yeah, I, I agree with you. We we need to get ethics back into capitalism. Um, if if it's an ethical capitalistic system, you don't have the problems that we have now. And in fact, we've not actually. Th- there was a time that it was somewhat ethical, but that was years ago. That that that's not happened in our lifetimes. I've actually made this reference before. The closest thing, and this is this is the God's honest truth. The closest thing, if you if you study it correctly, the closest thing you could equate in modern history to what we would consider to be that we're big fans of laissez-faire capitalism. That is free, open market. I mean, it's burning white hot. The closest thing in modern history that we can equate to laissez-faire capitalism would be when we had just defeated the Nazis 
and you had the buildup with the Marshall Plan of what would become West Germany in Central Europe. You had an extremely high amount of wage at a very low cost of living, and it was all due to the free market. We unleashed capitalism at its fullest to rebuild the German economy, and it took off like a bat out of hell. That is the closest we have come in modern history to what we'd consider to be a true free market system. And it worked. It worked. AOC, she was catching some flack on the red carpet about the dress, you know, the tax the rich, because I mean, she's all she's around a bunch of rich people. So after I mean, after all, you know, so she was catching a lot of flack. So they made her go change. Uh, and she she had another dress from the same designer. Uh, she changed. What do you think of it, Bruce? <laughs> That's funny. For those that can't see, she changed it. They uh, somebody photoshopped the dress and wrote in the same red marker on the uh, the dress. Trump won. So that's yeah, that's what it was. And then of course, I guess some more people because Donald Trump is not really liked in those circles as well uh, of of that uh, that ilk or whatever. So um, she uh, she had to go change again. And as she got further down the uh, the line there, uh, and the, <laughs> there's two handprints. Uh, on her ass <laughs> and it says Biden sniffed me it's on the dress sorry it just fits uh, it just it just fits and would you look at the the pictures here uh first of all you know how uh maybe maybe they're not pushing this anymore but i remember a time when they were they were they pushed the idea that sexualizing women is a bad thing uh-huh. right yeah all the pictures i'm seeing here of the women in their dresses that's exactly what's going on here. Maybe that well, the narrative same time, isn't being pushed anymore. Yeah, at the same time, I'm wondering, uh, where's all their masks? You notice that the security and all the media, mm-hmm. they're all masked up. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, the help, they're all masked up. But, the, oh, well, these are a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. So, I mean, I, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, so that's, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. All right. As much as I don't want to do it, uh, do you want to spend the last time or the last time we got today? Do you want to spend it on some COVID stuff? I mean, I, oh, man, I, I'm I'm so sick of it already. Yeah, I mean... They're going to be pushing the next, uh, oh, we got the jab, yeah, we got the yeah. mandates, we got the mandates yes, federally. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. I got a clip. Let's just lead it off here. Good with uh, the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci on what could possibly be on the horizon in America. What did I tell the Americans, the American audience? What did I say two weeks ago? I said, if you are an American and you can hear the sound of my voice, you have vaccine passports coming. They are coming to your neighborhood. And you say, oh, well, no, don't worry. I've got a um, I've got a Republican governor that's going to fight for me. Yeah, right. How'd that work out for you with the masks and the business closures? How's that going to work out for you now with your job? I've got a friend of mine who's a contractor who sent me what is circulating inside their company today. Unfortunately, because of privacy, I cannot and I will not read it here. Bruce and I were discussing it and it is not very nice. It's a doozy. Yeah, it is not very nice at all. It, it fits in line with what we're seeing in Europe with the with the, the vaccine passports and that kind of stuff. It fits that narrative. And it's also what we've kind of talked about. They'll do it federally first and then they'll try to use federal government like OSHA and whatnot to try to push it uh, through to businesses. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. Again, that goes back to exactly what I was saying. I said, it's happening here. It is coming there. And it's going to hit you at the local level. They are going to hit you with it. It doesn't matter where you are. I just want to point out that, you know, here in my city, we know how to handle, we've seen how to quickly handle and deal with any of those kind of mandates. I won't say anything else because if you're a listener, you know exactly what I mean. Uh Uh-huh. Fauci on CNN. 
Do we know that the virus travels when people move around the country? Don Baer, the Democratic congressman from Virginia, um, has a bill proposing that people traveling within the United States on airplanes and trains should either be vaccinated or provide proof of a negative COVID test. This is very common practice now in Europe. I've just been traveling mm -hmm. all over Europe. You can't get on a plane without having some kind of proof that you're negative. It seems to mm -hmm. me crazy that a year and a half into this, you can still, I can still get on a plane to Boston or California and no Nobody's going to check oh, me. God, yeah, Do you freedom. think that needs to change? Oh. Well, that's under consideration, certainly. I mean, I, I have been asked that question and it actually got, got some play in the press when I made the answer. I think that if, in fact, it is uh -huh. seriously considered, it's on the table, we're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the six-point program that the president came out with a couple of days, what we were talking about with travel was doubling the fines of people who, in fact, are traveling and don't get tested. And uh -huh. I and I believe that the idea about requiring vaccination for travel is something that is on the table for discussion. It has not been decided yet. Hmm. It is on the table yes. for discussion. It has not been decided yet. Translation. Yeah, we've talked about it. And we've already decided this is what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just don't know how to implement it just yet. We're we're looking at legal options that we have. Is a vaccine passport fair, in your opinion? No, it's discrimination. Do you think that there is ever a time when they would be necessary, ever? If you had um, a disease with Ebola-level death and flu or influenza-like spread, yes. If you could produce a bioweapon that was that potent, then yeah, I could see vaccine passports being needed. If you had like a 60% chance of dying when you catch it and it spreads like influenza. Sure. Funny enough, Bill Gates is out today and has said that we're not ready for the next pandemic. I'm just curious, does he does he know something that we don't know? I mean, that's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? Bill Gates has warned that attention to the pan attention to pandemic preparedness is lower than expected. Oh, you mean what? They didn't flood into all of the places that uh, that he had his investments in. Not quite. So he has to uh, he has to shift things around based on the response from this one. He said that vaccine inequalities between low and high income countries is a profound moral outrage. That was in a report that was released uh, just yesterday. Less than one percent of vaccine doses have been administered in low income countries. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation report said that compared to 80 percent in high and upper middle income nations. Huh. All right. The foundation challenged nations to invest long term in healthcare systems. That means, yeah, that when when Bill Gates comes to you with healthcare, he means lack thereof. That's that's what that means. He also said that the tools to end the pandemic are similar to fighting other infectious diseases like malaria and polio with widespread testing and life saving immunization. Okay, couple of things. One, he again he's making the comparison which they've done at the UN and the WHO time and again. Fauci just did it the other day. They're making comparisons to COVID to malaria, polio, measles, mumps, rubella, all that stuff. They're, they're making comparisons. This is a different kind of a vaccine, if you even want to call it that. It's technically, it's not even a vaccine. This is a different kind of process. This has never been done before. You cannot make the comparison. On top of that, you don't have a higher chance. We're to the point now with polio. You have a higher chance of catching polio and having an adverse reaction to a polio vaccine than you do actually catching polio. We've eradicated it that far. Yeah, um, just out of curiosity, um, the the previous vaccines we had for those major diseases like that, mm -hmm. like polio, yep. um, uh, how many breakthrough cases did we have back then? Almost and how many none. do we have 
Yeah. Okay. Why is it this new vaccine that we have, the mRNA one, why is it they're so concerned about breakthrough infection? Well, that's your uh, fault. Why is that's it? my fault. That's that's our uh, fault because oh, we're not doing so, what we're supposed to do. It's because of us that everyone else is is getting sick. Do you remember the guy from uh, from Blizzard who said uh, he, he put out the tweet? He says, well, I was double masked and I'm double vaccinated and I still got COVID. And I'm not upset that I have COVID. I'm more upset that someone else wasn't doing their part. Um, but you're you're vaccinated and double masked. You, you should be the least vulnerable in the population. In effect, let's say, OK, let's say for the sake of argument that the vaccine does work in doing what it stated it would do by the company. The company said it would basically eradicate the, the symptoms, right? It would reduce symptoms of COVID if you were to catch it. It was a basically a prophylactic um, therapeutic. That's basically what it was. OK, so let's say that you catch COVID. You're now a carrier uh, for COVID. You may be asymptomatic legitimately because of the vaccine, but you're a spreader. I mean, if I don't know, I, I, that, that, that's being that's best case scenario uh -huh. for the vaccine stuff. The, the, well, the, the, the Israel, problem is, the, is all the, the research Israel numbers it doesn't show the, that. The Israel numbers, though, they show that if you're double vaxxed and you're going for the third one, it show they show now in the Israeli studies that you're actually more susceptible and more infectious and more of a carrier with a higher higher viral load and you're more compromised as a vaccinated individual. That's not me saying that. That's not my opinion. That's the Israeli studies. That's the most vaccinated nation in the world. And on top of that, they're using only the Pfizer one in there. That's all they're using. They're not doing the the AZ. They're not doing the Johnson and Johnson, the J and J. They're not doing the Moderna. They're only using yeah. Pfizer. And That's, on top uh, of that, the Israeli study, again, just so we're clear, the Israeli study also shows that if you don't get vaccinated against this, you are 20 times more protected than you would be if well, you had if you'd gone out and gotten the shot. If you if you're if you've gotten covid. Yes. If and you got, you've recovered yeah. if the you, antibodies. If you've naturally yeah, fought yeah, it yeah. off. Yes. If you've naturally yeah, fought yeah. it off. Yeah. I just wanted to reiterate that those vaccines that we've had in the past were attenuated. They were viruses. They, they were the virus that it was supposed to or the disease that it was supposed to protect against. It was slightly altered. It was the entire virus or the entire disease uh, slightly altered so that it, it was less. Uh, basically, it spread less like it didn't mutate as quickly. It was slightly weakened, if you will, so that you didn't actually catch it. Your body would um, fight it off and learn the, the immunity, basically. This one doesn't do that. This one isn't an attenuated. This is a single part, the S1 spike protein, that part of it. It teaches your body how to produce it and then fight it off. That's it. Only the spike protein, which means the virus only has to mutate that one bit to bypass your vaccine. So you will have breakthrough infections. Which is exactly what guys like Dr. Robert Malone, who is the founder and inventor of mRNA vaccines, has actually warned against. You're going to cause the virus to stand up. You're going you're gonna to chase it down to the point where it actually stands up and it's going to mutate into something that you're not going to be able to stop. That's where they're headed with this, this one not. size fits all. Yeah, with, one, with this one size fits all uh, mentality, this, this suicide mentality that they're on with these vaccines. They're not even telling people why. They're not presenting any science as to why you should go out and get it. They're just saying you need to get it. That's all they're doing. Okay, so I want to tee this up properly here. Um, 
so Bill Gates, because uh, uh, I kind of led here with Bill Gates. So Bill Gates has said that uh, we're not ready for the next pandemic. Okay, well, um, I would argue that you know we're dealing with a lot of this stuff now, all this vaccine passport stuff. This is all Gates, right? They're they're doing a dry run for the global ID. That's all. That's what this is. This goes all the way back to what that clip we played of Aaron Russo about his relationship with Nicholas Rockefeller. They want a global ID. That's what they want. That's what the banks want. And we all know that Gates is a front man for the banks. But this, uh, this where he says that. Uh, we need widespread testing and life-saving immunization. Life-saving. Sir, have you looked at the VAERS report? Have you looked at the EMA report? Life-saving? You got a lot of nerve, son. Widespread testing. I'm asking the question now because no one else seems to be asking it. I have not, and nor will I ever, take a COVID test. I will not take a test. I have not taken one, and I will not because there's no need for them. But those of you who have taken them, and I understand that some of you, that's a condition of your employment. You have to take them. Okay, fine. Have you asked the question where the test results go? Where are they going? That's what I want to know. All of these samples that we're taking, all of these, these genetic samples we're taking from people, where's it all going and why? The head of the World Health Organization, Ted Rose, who was handpicked by Bill Gates to be up there, who Gates himself funds like 80 percent of the World Health Organization next to, the, I think, the United States. He gives as much, if not more than most nations in the world. Same thing with Gabby. All right, let's take a listen here to what the head of the WHO had to say about vaccine passports. Uh, we don't want vaccine passports to be used as a precondition for, for travel. Uh, because of lack of uh, vaccine equity. Um, it will be a tool to discriminate. It won't help. Uh, so at this time, it cannot be used as a passport, especially if it's going to be uh, a condition for, for, for travel. Uh, but for the future, when vaccine coverage increases globally, it can be considered. And that's why we are helping countries who are working on uh, vaccine passports um, so that we can have a uniform system when vaccine passport is uh, needed and when it, when it's time to to use it when it's needed and when it's time to use it i would say that there's never a need for them and there's never a time to use them because we all know that this is going to be nefarious in nature any way you look at it have they or have they not been that already I think that this is a play from the United Nations to come out and show some type of a legitimacy. It also allows them to take any uh, uh, any dirt that they have on their hands and wash them clean. They can play the good guy. The governments then become the scapegoat for implementing them. The United Nations becomes a legitimate body and the federal governments do not. So just looking over real quick to, to see the major pandemics of the world, because uh, uh, I had a thought when we were just starting this part, this segment, if you will. The pandemics of the past, right? We'll, we'll start back with the, uh, the Russian one. Okay. The Russian flu. Russian, Russian flu, flu was eight. Yeah. The Russian flu was 1889 to 1890. Okay. I'm, I'm going in these because the, the, it's the most pertinent. Like, so we, we had the yellow fever, third plague, cholera, you know, all those kind of things. But those typically happened like 20 plus years apart, like Russian flu. 1889. Uh, then we had the Spanish flu of 1918. That that that's that's a few years span there. Just 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 a few. Um, then we had the Asian flu. 30 years later. Uh, excuse me. 40 years later. Was that the Hong? Then Kong the Hong flu? Kong flu. No, Asian the flu Hong is a different flu's, one. That was a different one. Okay. Yeah, Hong Kong flu is H3N2. The Asian flu is H2N2. Ah, I got you. Um, 
And then the Hong Kong flu happened a decade later. Uh, then we had the HIV AIDS uh, debacle. That was uh, 11 years after the Hong Kong flu. Then we had the swine flu. That was, what, 30 years later? Uh, but then it picks up pace because then we had like the swine flu, the bird flu, SARS, Ebola, um, MERS, and then COVID-19. Hang on a minute. What year? It, what year did that start to take and pick up pace? Uh, 2009 was when the swine flu kicked off. Right. It and seems you know, that. Do you know what they did? Do you know what they did right after that? That's funny you say that. Do you know what they did right after that? The World Health Organization, who, by the way, Bill Gates is a major funder of. Do you know what they did right after the swine flu outbreak of 2009? Do you know what they did? They changed the definition of what a pandemic is. They exclude the precursor for widespread death. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the reason I'm pointing that out, though, is um, it it we see a shift. It was happening every 20 to 50 years. There was a there was a pandemic uh, of some kind. And the, the numbers we were seeing, uh, third plague, 12 million, uh, yellow fever, 100,000 to 150,000 from the U.S. alone. Russian flu, 1 million. Uh, Spanish flu, 40 to 50 million. Um, I don't know if these are actual like just cases or no, that's the death toll. That's the actual death toll that's happening during those time. Um, Asian flu, a million. Hong Kong flu, a million. Uh, but then you get to like swine flu, 200,000. SARS, 700. Ebola, 11,000. MERS, 850. But then they get to COVID-19 and they're saying we're in the multiple millions, according to this is this is in the quote, the, like the yeah, parentheses but here. But those John are Hopkins lockdowns. University. Yeah, but those all oh, John Hopkins. <laughs> yes, sure. Uh -huh. Those are. Yeah. Those are lockdown deaths, though. I wouldn't call those COVID deaths. I would call this government mismanagement deaths. I wouldn't even call them COVID deaths because um, no, I, I didn't we've talked about it. And, and yeah, I wouldn't call them COVID no, no, deaths. No, no, I, I'm not. Uh, what I'm saying is, is I wouldn't even call, call them like related to COVID. Oh, well, no. actually, yeah, I guess yeah, it no. is because you, you, you had the deaths. All right. So if you needed a heart surgery, you know, like open heart surgery. You couldn't get it because that was an elective surgery. You still can't uh, in and a lot if of countries. You, if you, yeah, you still can't in a lot of countries and you still can't in a lot of states now because of um, these the vaccine mandates. Um, hospitals are having layoff staff because or staff are just resigning because they, they're not taking the vaccine. So some of these elective surgeries they can't do. Anyway, all that to say, my point is um, by that person dying of... Uh, the, the the heart complication or what have you, um, because they weren't able to get their elective surgery. That was a COVID death. Um, and we've talked about it ad nauseum last year. You were in a motorcycle accident, COVID death. You know, any death that happened during the pandemic is considered a COVID death. So when they say that's 2.7 million, I think it's more on the lines of influenza. And we're probably in the, the range of 28 to 30,000 is all it's at. We had 38 million cases, cases, 38 million cases of influenza in America in 2018 to 2019, Two, excuse me, 2019 to 2020. We had 38 million cases of the flu, cases, not deaths, cases. In 2000 and, uh, 2020 to 2021, we had 1,822 cases of the flu. How is that possible? Well, we 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 eradicated flu clearly. All the we, masks. We, yes, the masks. We yeah, got it. Right. Yeah, the, yeah masks, the masks, and we got it right this time. When we with the <laughs> yeah, flu, right. we got it right for once. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
we are going to have to go. Uh, we are out of time. But this is straight from Jack Posobiec, uh from his Telegram page. So I'm not saying anything uh, that he hasn't already said. This is breaking. Several Pentagon officers present in Milley's secret meeting are willing to testify against him under oath per his source at the White House. I hope so. Here's another little tidbit. At least one of Milley's calls to China was intercepted by a partner nation targeting the People's Republic of China leadership and resulted in a... <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to say that. Um, they were they were shocked. I'll just put it because I'm not going to repeat that because I can't repeat that. Uh, I'll just put it. They were they, they had a WTF moment. I'll put it that way. Everybody knows what that means uh, to be. And he says here at the bottom of that, to be clear, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs promised to tip off the Chinese Communist Party if the U.S. was planning military action. Mm hmm. The wheels of justice turn very slowly, but they do turn. Sounds like treason to me. Mm hmm. For those of you not signed up to our Telegram page, get over there and get signed up to us. We do put out all of our podcasts we do here every day. We also put out an exclusive podcast just to our Telegram subscribers, which you do get early uh, once a week. So get over there and get signed up to us. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you would give us a rating when you get a chance, we'd appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.